Hello, I'm Rhiannon. You're listening to Global Questions, the podcast breaking down international news and politics. Today on the show, part five of our in-depth series on technology. Skype, Facebook, Twitter, Mujahideen tweets. ISIS is using every social media tool available. It's a campaign so effective, it's insidiously reaching into the most unexpected corners. The proliferation of social media in the past two decades has drastically amplified the threat and impact of terrorism, with 90% of terrorism organised via the internet now taking place on social media. So, how are terrorists and extremist movements using social media platforms? What are governments doing to address this issue? And are social media companies and their algorithms part of the solution, or are they making the problem worse? One of the the sort of trends we've been monitoring is far-right, more decentralised, violent extremist and terrorist networks using live stream functions. Um, So the first kind of real example of that was the Christchurch attack. Today I am joined by two guests, Charlie Gleason, an open source intelligence analyst, and Isabel Arnson, a policy analyst, both from Tech Against Terrorism an initiative launched and supported by the United Nations Counterterrorism Executive Directorate that works with the global tech industry to tackle terrorist use of the internet whilst respecting human rights. We chat about how social media has transformed the way terrorist groups operate, the implications of social media and the internet on the war on terror, and what more users and social media platforms can do to be part of the solution. Welcome to the Global Questions podcast. I'm very excited to have two special guests on the podcast today. So welcome, Charlie and Isabel. To kick us off, can you guys give a brief overview of who you are and how you got involved in the world of terrorism and more specifically technology and terrorism? Charlie, if you want to go first. Yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, so I work as an open source intelligence analyst here at Tech Against Terrorism. And I was kind of led into this. I did an undergraduate degree in forensics and was really interested in kind of how technology and the law interact. So that kind of led me down down the tech route. Um, And then leading into that, I then did a master's in terrorism and counterterrorism studies. So that's that's kind of led me to this point. But yeah, my focus is definitely on kind of how terrorists operate online. And Isabel, you also work at Tech Against Terrorism. What does your role involve there? Yes. Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Isabel. I'm a policy analyst at Tech Against Terrorism. Um, And my interests really lie in content moderation um, on online platforms and preserving freedom of expression while uh, keeping terrorist content off off the internet. Amazing. All very um, informative for the discussion we're having today. So we're focusing on the intersection between social media and terrorism. So kind of a broad, open-ender question to start us off. How has social media transformed the way terrorist groups operate? I can kick us off with this one. Um, The kind of rise of the internet has really changed the sort of whole face of terrorism. But social media particularly has really helped to act as a sort of beacon for terrorist propaganda. A lot of social media platforms are being specifically targeted by a really wide range of terrorist actors from all different ideologies. Um, and while, you know, a lot of social media platforms have taken some really good steps towards content moderation and preventing exploitation of their platforms, um, there's a lot of adversarial shift in how terrorist groups are acting to kind of evade that. Um, so it, it is this sort of constantly evolving challenge in countering how terrorists operate online. Isabel, do you have any other views on this? 
I think we could also say that um, from our work, we know that terrorist and violent extremist actors use the internet really for two purposes, um, so internal and external communication. So external communication entailing the dissemination of propaganda or other forms of messaging to as wide an audience as possible, um, which is really the appeal of these larger social media platforms. And then um, we also know that they use the internet for internal communication. So this would involve, you know, conversations about logistics or planning or kind of more of an operational um, or planning purpose. Mm. On the back of what you guys have just said, what kind of implications has this had on the global war on terror? I think one of the things we've we've really noticed with this um, and kind of countering terrorism on an international scale is that the internet is completely global. So there's there's really a need for sort of international cooperation um, between governments on how to best tackle this, both sort of in the policy they're creating and in the actual practice of of countering terrorist use of the internet. But it's also then kind of requiring more cooperation from independent companies to actually make sure that countering terrorist use of the internet is cohesive and that it actually works. Definitely. And just to build off of that, I mean, just as terrorist use of the internet and social media really represents a threat across the entire kind of platform economy, it really necessitates a whole of sector response. So when platforms sanction or deplatform an entire community, established communities and these disparate kind of informal networks of terrorists and violent extremists um, often migrate kind of to other platforms, um, which are often less regulated. Do you think that the reason why terrorists are so attracted to social media platforms is because it has such a far reach, you know, it has billions of users, um, it's used every day. Is it that kind of reach that makes it so attractive to terrorists or are there other things, um, other considerations of why social media would be so attractive to these groups? We definitely consider it as one of the the sort of main reasons that um, social media is attractive um, but we kind of categorize into sort of four main streams um, the appeal of various different platforms um, so one of the primary ones being security um, so not only in terms of operational security you know being able to have anonymous accounts um, but also being able to avoid you know constant removal from the platform so having that that sort of personal security on there the second being stability, so whether the, the platform is kind of reliable to use, um, but also, again, avoiding that content moderation. So whether that is um, using more covert techniques on the bigger platforms or what we've noticed is specifically targeting smaller platforms that don't necessarily have those content moderation um, kind of techniques in place. Um, audience reach definitely being one of them. But then the final one that we really highlight is just general usability. If it's a platform that's really difficult to use or it just doesn't really have a good user interface or anything like that, um, it really, really decreases um, kind of how frequently terrorists might try and exploit it. I wonder if you guys can think about maybe any notable examples of terrorist groups using social media, whether it be to carry out terrorist attacks or recruit people. Yeah, definitely. So um, one of the, the sort of trends we've been monitoring recently, and there's a couple of notable examples, is um, kind of far right, more decentralised uh, violent extremist and terrorist networks using live stream functions. Um, so the first kind of real example of that was the Christchurch attack in 2019 in New Zealand, and then the most recent being in Buffalo, New York in May of this year. Um, so I guess we could consider the influence of these kind of more lone actor 
attacks in the far right um, kind of violent extremist networks as being tools for recruitment through those sort of live streams of attacks and especially the prevalence of uh, kind of written manifesto statements that are published, you know, just before or during um, the attack that's being carried out by by these sort of really decentralised networks. Isabel, did you have any other thoughts um, on this point? Yeah, just to build off of what um, Charlie's been saying sort of about security and stability and audience reach and usability and, you know, those really being four factors that terrorists and violent extremists look for in um, kind of deciding on a, a platform to operate on. Um, end-to-end encrypted services, such as, you know, different messaging applications, um, I think provide a great example of, of how a combination of kind of these four factors really attract terrorists to certain tech platforms. And so looking at some of the ethical considerations around big tech when we look at social media, do you think that social media companies are doing enough to respond to these issues around terrorism? I think it's a great question because it's very easy to kind of name and shame tech companies um, and kind of criticize them for really not not doing enough. But um, as I mentioned earlier, we really work with all sorts of tech platforms. Um, this you know, includes social media platforms, messaging apps, file sharing platforms, um, all tech platforms, archiving sites, pasting sites, gaming sites. And uh, we also monitor terrorist operated websites. But um, I would say that the level of engagement is, is very high. We have um, kind of a, several different work streams at Tech Against Terrorism. One of them is uh, mentorship, and this is really knowledge sharing and policy best practices, where we provide bespoke support to tech companies to develop policies and content moderation practices, which safeguard freedom of expression and prevent terrorist exploitation um, of their platforms. So some companies have set up you know, artificial intelligence AI systems to automatically take down extremist content. Is there any kind of discussion around the accuracy of these systems? Um, For example, you know, taking down legitimate versus illegitimate content. Is this a concern or, you know, for the most part, do these AI systems typically work when um, taking down terrorist content? It's it's definitely a good question. I mean, I think there's there's definitely a lot of debate to be had over not just the efficiency of these, but also the sort of human rights concerns um, with taking down legitimate content. Um, and I suppose um, what one of the main things we would always really promote, especially with the use of sort of automated content moderation methods, is transparency. Um, and not only that, also having appeals mechanisms in place. Um, so it's something we we have as part of our kind of Tech Against Terrorism pledge for when platforms become members is they have to have that sort of appeals mechanism in place. But on the sort of transparency side, um, just being really clear to users um, kind of what systems are in place um, and kind of how how they're being used and also making sure that there is that human moderation factor is definitely kind of how we foresee the best way at the moment to make sure that those human rights are upheld kind of throughout the whole process. Do you like verbal questions? Then you'd be happy to know that we run events all through the year. Find us on your socials. Search Young Diplomat Society to keep up to date with upcoming events. So I suppose that brings me to my final kind of questions. We've talked about how, you know, these online spaces can be part of the problem, but I suppose they can also be a part of the solution. Is there anything else that social media platforms um, or users of social media platforms can do when when looking at extremist content? I don't think there's necessarily a singular approach that we would 
promote in this sort of thing I think there's a lot of approaches that can work um but kind of just circling back to to the opening of this discussion the kind of multi-stakeholder approaches is going to be what kind of grounds effective um kind of countering terrorist use of the internet and it does kind of require this industry-wide collaboration but one of the things that we definitely stress is that a lot of small tech platforms don't necessarily have these kind of automated methods and a lot of it is kind of relying on what users flag so i guess for for the people that aren't necessarily in the industry is if they do come across any sort of terrorist or violent extremist content so many platforms have these really really easy to use flagging functions they're there for a reason um, so we definitely promote kind of anyone that's being online to just kind of be responsible and then um, to work with these these kind of tech platforms. Everyone's got to kind of get involved. <laughs> Absolutely. There's some great takeaways. Isabel, do you have anything to add on that? And do you see any other kind of challenges, you know, over the next five or 10 years? Um, obviously, new things emerge all the time. Um, but are there any things that kind of will complicate this and make it um, more challenging in the future? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Charlie summed it up very, very well, um, kind of underscoring the need for a multi-stakeholder and kind of whole of sector across industry approach to countering terrorist use of the internet. Obviously, the actions and content moderation decisions um, that a company like Facebook makes um, has kind of spillover effects onto smaller platforms. And then I would also say, um, back to your previous question on kind of technical solutions, um, I think this is particularly the case with kind of more far-right violent extremists. Um, technical solutions to identifying that content um, often, you know, fall short of addressing the adversarial shifts that these groups use to circumvent kind of known content moderation. You know, terrorists and violent extremists, you know, are increasingly shifting to um, and depending upon smaller, often encrypted platforms with lower capacity for, for moderation. So I think we'll continue to see kind of the rise of alt-tech um, Hence, hence the need for a, for a collaborative kind of whole of sector approach. Absolutely. Look, Isabel, Charlie, thank you so much uh, for our discussion today. It's been really insightful. If anyone of our listeners want to know more, read any of your work, get in touch or learn how they can kind of get involved, what's the best way for them to do that? So we've got our, uh, our website, which is techagainstterrorism.org. And then uh, for anyone that might want to get involved, um, we've got our email address, which is contact at techagainstterrorism.org. Um, and we're kind of we're really open to, to collaborating and working with um, kind of all sorts of organizations to, to help tackle terrorists use the Internet while uh, upholding human rights. So, yeah, definitely get in touch. Amazing. We'll link all of those um, in our episode description. But guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. That's all for this week's in-depth episode. Join us next week for the wrap-up, Josh and Kelly's fortnightly recap of news from around the world. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram for memes, quizzes and regular news updates. Links will be in the episode description. We'll see you next week.